This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Bust and Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. Barry Sperluga was on the show with us today. Here it was. Barry, based not only on that night, which was a seminal moment and a franchise-shifting evening, but also the 19 World Series run and some of the greatness in between, I think Strasburg is the most important national ever. I've gotten some pushback. Some people saying Zimmerman. Others you know, will throw other names out there. I think it's Strasburg. What do you think? I don't think... That's a bad place to start. And I'll say um, a couple things. First, I've been scrambling and writing. I just followed, filed a column on this, and, and I hadn't gone back and, and listened to that. But if you, there's just no overstating what that night was like. Um, and really, no way, no event that I know of that, you know, was so hyped around one person. I mean, that, those things so often, you know, disappoint. And this one exceeded the hype. And, and not just because he struck out 14, because he struck out the last seven. And so to further your point, Grant, I, I mean, I just, the column I just filed, which should be published in the next hour or so, um, basically points to that night of June 8th, 2010, and, and Steven Strasburg um, as, as fundamentally changing an entire sport in, in this town. Before that, the Nats were kind of bumbling. They always had a losing record. They seemed extremely limited in their possibilities. And after that night, it's not overstating it to say that anything seemed possible. Now, the line wasn't straight. I mean, there was not just the Tommy John surgery, and, and but the shutdown as well. And then there were playoff disappointments to come. It wasn't a straight line ascent to, to 2019, 
But in a way, that makes the story richer. I, I, I haven't considered the phrasing that you just threw out, Grant, but I, I don't think that that's a crazy way at all to think about it because, you know, I think Zimmerman's extremely important and very unique in what he represented because he was the first pick of the, in franchise history when, after they moved and he signed two extensions here and he saw it through and, and there's a uniqueness to that. But, but people outside of Washington don't really know who Ryan Zimmerman was and why we would consider him important here. I think baseball fans know that night and then the night in 2019 and what that stud right-hander did for a sport in the nation's capital. Barry, because of that unbelievable hype, I mean, people have kind of forgotten about it, but before Shohei, I mean, he was like a, a rock star. I mean, MLB Network was posted up wherever he was. I think on the road, they were selling games out to watch the you know a, a hundred lost Nationals I team went play. To his minor league debut in Altoona, and I expected all the Nats media to be there. National media, yeah. MLB was in Altoona, Pennsylvania, at Double A Eastern yeah, League where Baseball. Tens of people go every year, and and because of that hype, Barry, I think some people, I want to say, underappreciate Steven Strasburg's career. I, I'd love for you to speak to that. A thousand percent, Danny, and I think you know. When there is that buildup, and I mean, not just buildup from people like us, but like the raw ability was insane, right? Like he's a hundred, and the changeup is like disappearing, and this curveball is like, you know, twenty mile separation. I'm exaggerating, but only slightly off his fastball, and like, um, it seemed like he had the ball on a string so often. Um, so there were his accomplishments, his abilities, the way scouts talked about him that made you think, okay, this is um, the best starting pitching prospect since Mark Pryor or Roger Clemens or, or pick, pick a name. Um, it can get, you know, kind of lost in a career that in some ways is defined more by what he didn't do than by what he did. And I think that's a little unfair. Like he, he never won a Cy Young award. Um, that's fine. He made three all-star teams, not 12. That's also fine. He led his league in strikeouts once and in innings pitched once and win- pitching wins once. Like I think on that night of June 8th, 2010, we would have been putting over unders at much higher than that and taking the overs in a lot of case the cases. But I went back and looked at the numbers. He made 247 regular season starts in um, the Nationals won uh, 154 of, of those starts. That That's a 623 winning percentage. It doesn't sound that great until you realize that a 623 winning percentage will win you 101 games every season. Like yeah. he was a guy who you were going to win with more than you were going to lose. And I'll throw one other stat at you. In those 247 regular season starts, he allowed um, – and, and throw in eight postseason starts, actually. Um, he allowed uh, the opponent zero or one earned runs 44.7% of the time. That is just he, – he wasn't able to go out there 30 starts a year, you know, more than three times in his career. But when he went out there, he was so far more often than not borderline dominant that – I think it's a shame that that people would cast his career against, you know, think about what it wasn't instead of what it was, because what it was 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 very, very good. That's a great way to say it. I have not 
had those words come to me, but that's why you're Barry's Faluga of the Washington Post and you're a wordsmith. But it's the it's the talking about what it wasn't instead of what it was that chaps my butt a little bit. I mean, he was just such a good player. To, to dive a little deeper into what you mentioned about the playoffs, statistically, this is not my opinion, this is one of the great playoff pitchers ever. I mean, we're talking about a 1-4 ERA for him in his 55 innings. I go back to that White Sox series they lost, uh, excuse me, the uh, the Cubs series they lost in 2017, Barry, where he had 14 innings. Remember the I'm sick, I can't pitch, and Dusty's mold game and whatever that weird thing was, where he went, and he was, that was the best I'd ever seen him at that point since his first start, probably in a big spot. It, and he and ended it, up with 22 strikeouts and 14 innings in that series. And that's not even to talk about that he was their best pitcher on the 19 run and won the World Series MVP. Well, for sure. And if you, if you go to that start um, in, in Chicago, which in some ways was teed up to be a low point for the Nationals as, as a franchise because they bungled the messaging. If, if you remember the game, game four, they were down two to one, got rained out, and that seemed to make Strasburg available on his regular um, turn. And, and Dusty Baker, for some reason, went against how the Nationals had discussed it and said, we're going to start Tanner Roark tomorrow. And it just looked like kind of dysfunction. And well, and remember, was, too, I, I, I'm sure you, you recall it the same way I did. Maybe you don't. Tell me if not. But at that time, there was still this, like, Steven Strasburg isn't tough. He's thing. the orchid. And it was like, Absolutely. wait, now everyone was killing him because it's the biggest game of the year and he's not going to pitch. He ended up doing a give me the damn ball thing and he shoved it up the Cubs butt. <laughs> but, you know, like that, that was the story was like, oh, this guy doesn't want to pitch. And that was just not the case. It wasn't the case. And it was, but it was the narrative overnight. Like, I, I, I mean, I was in Chicago and I remember like, you know, watching both ESPN and the MLB network and like all these former players were like, I, I'm not going to be able to look this guy in the eye tomorrow if, if Tanner Roark is going out to pitch. And it just it just got away from them. But then when he took the ball, like the Cubs just had no chance. That game was very, very tight. But I think that that did transform um, that idea that uh, he doesn't want to, to do this. What I learned over time, and I think part of this is a little bit self-inflicted because um, Stephen was – you know, at worst, painfully shy when he arrived as a 21-year-old, um, was very, very guarded. And for years, you know, I would be in that clubhouse, um, you know, as the national baseball writer or whatever, and and he would kind of walk by, like, staring straight ahead and, and not make eye contact and not even do – you had, like, no chance of chit-chat. And the, the, I don't care about that in terms of my interaction with him. Like, it, it's not that big of a deal. But – he kind of actively participated in not allowing the fan base to really know him as a person, as we felt like, you know, we'd known Ryan Zimmerman or Max Scherzer or Sean Doolittle, or or these guys are just kind of easily fall into telling stories and talking about the game. That was never Steven. And so, I mean, I I had this interview with him in spring 2020 before things um, shut down with the pandemic and he was like, yeah, I've just kind of had to come to terms with that. Like, that's basically, he said, that's my resting bitch face, right? Like, I just, that's my countenance, and I look angry, and huh. I'm not angry. But, you know, um, so all of that makes him a very complicated person. But in the end, what you're left with is this guy didn't give out. His body gave out. And there's a big distinction there because it kills him that he's going to be associated with what is, 
in arguably one of the worst contracts in the history of the sport because he made eight appearances in a seven-year, $245 million deal. That's not his fault, but he's, it, it eats at him that anybody could think that it, that it is. And I, I just I feel – I hope when he speaks to the media in early September and therefore to the public that he's able to convey – how much he didn't want this to be the end that, that I, I don't think he should feel bad, but I think people will hear how bad he feels. Uh, two things come to mind. One grant. Now we're both on the business end of that RBF a few different times over spring training or otherwise. And two, I did not have in the office pool bears for Luga dropping resting bitch face in an interview with us this afternoon, but it's very appropriate. But I think you're right on point about it. Uh, and Barry Faluga with us here talking Steven Strasburg on GND. So I think that seminal moment that we talked about, that Cubs series, that first game, by the way, that they lost that he pitched in, took a no-hitter into the sixth and was just almost every bit as dominant, post-error, a couple hits, and, and then they end up losing that game. But before that, remember there were some issues, not necessarily health-wise, Barry. Remember, you know, an error behind him, and he would sort of snowball and melt down a little bit. The the I just put it in quotation marks, the icy hot incident or whatever that was, you know, it was like at times that reputation of him being a fragile little orchid because the wind wasn't blowing in the right direction or he didn't warm up a certain way or the sweat was too much on his right hand. Whatever that was, it was always seemed to be something for a while. I think that was there. I'd love you to talk about that. But then when did he graduate from that in your mind? Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think body language had a lot to do with it and and take it, take us away like how his general countenance was, but there, there would, you know, when there was an error or a ball fell in, like the slumped shoulders thing became very real. And that, that just doesn't play well um, in the clubhouse. And it doesn't very well absolve him of all the kind, you know, he, he contributed to his reputation as, as being fragile um, and that, that made him susceptible to the kind of stuff that, that that night it seemed like he wasn't going to take the ball in Chicago because people were like, well, you know, everything's not perfectly aligned. This guy's not going to pitch. And, and it just it wasn't the case in that um, in that instance. But he had, in a way, laid the groundwork for his own commitment, his own toughness to be questioned, if that makes. So there's legitimate injuries. Um, and then there's that kind of way he carried himself for a while. And it all, I mean, it's a very, very complicated equation that, that went into it. And I, I think the answer to the question, Danny, like when did it turn was the night in, in Chicago, or the day in Chicago, the afternoon in Chicago, when it was cold, it was miserable. He went out there and shoved um, Michael A. Taylor, hit the grand slam that gave him some breathing room. And then, you know, I mean, he pitched six times in the postseason in um, 2019, including out of re- in relief, three innings of shutout relief yep. in the wild card game, um, and the Nationals won all six of those games. Like I, I, you know, that's not an accident. Like the guy did it. He did it on the biggest stage, um, and and you know, maybe his career is a fraction of what it could have been with full health because we know what he was like at full health. But I, I just. I just don't – I hate the notion that he's sitting at home being like, man, people think I'm a disappointment because I, I just I just don't think that's fair. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Darius Verluga of The Post with Jesse Dockery. They broke today, if you're just jumping in your car, that Steven Strasburg has informed the team that he plans on retiring. He'll make it official at a press conference at the end of this baseball season. Hey, I'd love to keep talking about how great he was and kind of what we're doing and telling stories, but there are two things I do have to ask you about. And one of them, frankly, is, you know, this is the the kind of the gross business side of this, but I do think it's really important for people to hear. So there's $105 million left on this uh, contract. And as you said, it'll go down, unfortunately, as one of the worst contracts ever. But presumably by him retiring, I think they're going to recoup some of that money, right, if they then strike some deal with him. How would this work? Would they just say, I'm just picking a number, but like, hey, we'll pay you $50 million as you retire, and now they're off the hook for $65 million? Or how, how does that work? So we're in the midst of reporting this. I think Bob Nightingale from um, USA Today has some some reported details that we don't have yet. But what I was told, I thought, if, I think erroneously, that um, if they negotiated a settlement, that um, what fans should care about, that that $35 million a year would not count against the um, collective, you know, the luxury tax threshold, the CBT, um, and I'm told that's not the case. You can't just erase financial um, commitments that you that you've made. That it, that even if you end up paying out um, less than the 105 million um, that that remains, you're going to be dinged against the the um, uh, threshold. So I I, I wish so I had. So they're like, on the hook for all the money, perhaps. It, se- it seems like it. Grand, Why didn't and I, they I, get I, insurance on that deal, Barry? I think they so probably couldn't, that, right? That one, and this I reported on insuring contracts. Um, I mean, it's go- going back like six or seven years, but it was it was around the first Strasburg extension when he went down with another injury. And the reality is, um, insurance on these things is extremely expensive, and um, with a with a pitcher um, who has a history of injury, it becomes even more expensive. And so it's a risk reward thing. I also would say to fans, and I've said this before, like the, the insurance would matter to the learners who own the team. But if if the money counts against the CBT anyway, then in terms of like roster building and and you know the fans saying you should spend more. Um, because you, you know you're, you have bad money invested in Strasburg, it, it really, in some ways, doesn't matter. Like, yeah, could they like lower concessions or ticket prices because they're not on the hook because they got paid back from insurance on Strasburg's contract? I, I suppose you could connect those dots, but I, I kind of feel like that's almost if you're not the Lerner family writing the checks for a guy who can't pitch, it, it's almost irrelevant. And then the other thing, really quickly, because we haven't gotten to ask you about it, is the Mike Rizzo rumor mill churning here. Still no deal for him. A lot happening in Chicago, although it looks like they could be going in a different direction anyway. Do you think Rizzo ends up being locked in with Davey to finish what he started? Yeah, I do. I think it'll be two years and an option. Um, I, I've been told that the timing on this, while not on ideal, shouldn't be um, you know, kind of interpreted as a, a major problem. Mike Rizzo has been through this dance with the learners a million times. He always gets these really short deals. They always get done at the last minute. Um, I, I put the Chicago White Sox thing out there on Twitter the other night because I thought it was interesting. There's real connections between 
um, the people who run that fan- franchise and that town and, and Rizzo. But that, that was, you know, I'm not one for throwing out much idle speculation, but that was me sitting on my couch saying, huh, isn't this interesting? And I think it is interesting, but I think ultimately um, the guy who's been the GM here since 2009 is going to be the GM for a couple more years, and and, um, and we'll get to see what, what he started if it, if it comes through the way the first rebuild did. Barry, thank you as always, man. Enjoy the rest of your week. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Go read the story, and it sounds like a column coming from Barry tomorrow. That was Barry's for Luga, as heard on Grant and Danny. Uh, final thoughts, too. Yeah, I mean, all, just kind of wrapping all this up, it's it's kind of a sad day all around with Stone Garrett news and you have the Steven Strasburg news and all those kind of things. It's it's kind of sad with all of that stuff, but, you know, th- this has been an exciting season, something that we didn't really expect from this Nationals team. We didn't expect this team to be where it's at. So while some of the news with the injuries and, obviously Strauss kind of off the field stuff, so to speak, the on the field stuff continues to be great. I believe since the all-star break, they're now 23 and 15. They're sitting there and there's, they're only two games back or two wins back of the Yankees after the series. Like we've talked about how exciting this year has been or how encouraging this year has been, but I don't think that can be overstated. And again, that's probably why, you know, bringing it back to Rizzo, that's why you want the guys to stick around because of how much they've overachieved this season. I don't want to see anything change. I mean, this is a team that's only 10 games under 500, the same record as the Mets now. Like it's crazy to see where they're at. And so you just hope that they can continue to build off of that going forward. Yeah. It would be awesome if they can keep playing at this pace. I mean, can you imagine if they finish the year 10 under 500? That would be you know mid seventies wins. That would be awesome. I, I would yeah. take the under, by the way. Like so seventy six and eighty six, I guess, would be the number. So if you gave me seventy five and a half wins right now, I'd go under that. Um, but the fact that the know, line's up there, you know, people yeah. were expecting this team to lose a hundred games and they're not Crazy. going to. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys for dealing with me being a little bit uh quieter and like eating the microphone a little bit and probably breathing weirdly and heavily. Um, I got the in-laws in town and uh, babies all over the house and everything uh, is around me that is quiet and sleepy. And I'm just talking about the Nats with Toby really loudly. So uh, glad that you guys were able to uh, deal for bust and loose baseball. I will read really quickly a comment we got because we always tell you that we'll read your comments. If you send them, we want you to subscribe rate review. So here is the comment that somebody sent us. From uh, B-A-C-H-33-K-S. What do you think that spells? Uh, I'm going to say Batchix. Sure. He says, as an Axe fan of Wisconsin, I don't get to bounce my thoughts off of many people around here besides my wife, who's probably ready to chop her ears off by now. You two do a great job of being fair on both sides, remaining realistic and optimistic, or remaining critical with this rebuild, my fandom has only grown, investing a lot more time into our minor system and the prospects. Says that we've helped him grow his knowledge of the po- uh, the prospects in the system. My one complaint is that we only get two episodes a week. Seriously, appreciate you guys. Keep up the great work. What a sweetheart. Love it. Wisconsin, Garrett, too. That's a fantastic Find list. that man and send him. Um, what are we going to let's Let's like paper mache some kind of uh, creation or something. We need to get this guy a gift. <laughs> He's a sweetheart. Would an edible arrangement be too much? Uh, perfect. Oh. 
Find this sure. man, get his address. Let's send this man an edible arrangement. Love it. Sure, All right. Uh, for Toby and producer Darius, I'm Grant saying so long. Thanks for listening to Bustin' Loose Baseball. Busy Nats week. We are back at it. Uh, on Monday evening, you will get another pod. Thanks for listening. <laughs>